0: Guys, are you ready for this episode? On this episode, William Wisher drops by and chats for well over an hour. And, um, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this, this episode in particular. Um, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Um. You should know when I do these one-on-ones if this is your first episode of the podcast that you're checking out thank you first of all but when I do these one-on-ones with the talents involved in the films um I go in with questions obviously pre-prepared and that I want to you know touch on and um have them talk about obviously And it usually always happens, but it happened more so with Will, or he prefers to be called Bill, but it happened more with him than any other time. And what I'm talking about is we would just go off. You know what I mean? Like I would have my questions ready and then I would find myself talking about stuff that I had no idea I was going to be talking about. You know what I mean? And when I initially pitched the idea to him to come on the show. He came back and said and I'm going to save the the actual answer that he gave me for our conversation because we talk about that. But he basically said no. You know, I feel like I've said everything that I that I can about those movies. And I said, "Well, listen, if you say no after this time, I'm going to try one more time because I don't like taking no for an answer, but This is not going to be your run of the mill kind of interview because first of all, these are not interviews. I don't approach them as interviews. They're laid back conversations Two, I love talking about the stuff that you will not find in your normal run of the mill quick interview. You know what I mean? I love geeking out and going down side alleys and and talking about the most random thing. And we do a lot of that in this episode. This is a very, very heavy episode of just talking about anything and everything. You know what I mean? It's just, it's so rich. It really is. It's probably the richest episode in terms of just the amount of content that is packed into this episode coming up. So I said that to him and I said, you know, if you say no, I... I respect that, I get that, but just consider coming on because I promise you that this is not going to be another normal interview. This is going to be a real in-depth kind of thing because I love going in-depth. So he considered it and then obviously he came on. So um, keep that in mind. Um, Also keep in mind that uh, I posted on social media for people to submit questions and at the end of the episode we 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 get to those but up until that time during the episode he actually kind of hit some of the questions that i knew i was going to ask from some of the listeners some of you guys so i just didn't ask them but you guys will know when your question if it's not asked at the end you'll know when it was hit on at some point during the episode. So, I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm I didn't forget anybody. If you submitted a question, I did write it down and we just got to it naturally during the conversation. So, um having said all of that, I think I touched on everything that I wanted to with you guys. Um we're going to get into some quick sponsors here that have uh been, you know, very kind enough to sponsor the show. So, stay tuned. We're just going to get through those really cool services I think you guys might be interested in and then The awesome, heavy, rich, action-packed, just sweet-ass one-on-one with William Wisher. So stay tuned, everybody. Don't go anywhere. Terminator 101 will be right back. And before I forget, guys, um, because I forgot this when I initially recorded that intro, at some point during this conversation, uh, Bill and I talk about Terminator 2, and we go in depth on that film, so that's really awesome. But at some point, he mentions that he thinks when they were writing John Connor, they were going for like a 12 year old kid. Obviously, we all know that you know, John Connor in the film is 10. So, um, and but I just didn't feel compelled to correct him on that, you know what I mean? Because I mean, he's William Wisher. So who am I to step in and be like, uh, no, 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 sorry, sir. Sorry. You know what I mean? Um, it was just a little thing that I was like, ah, well, okay. Um, I see what you're saying. He maybe came across as 12, but in the film he is 10 years old. So I just don't want, uh, you know, anybody to send me a message and be like, wait, 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 wait. I thought it's just, he was just talking in general and it's not something to, you know, take too seriously. It's he is ten in the film, but anyways, stay tuned. We're coming right back. <laughs> All righty, everybody. This is the moment that you and I have both been waiting for um ever since I reached out to uh uh bill he um has been definitely my most anticipated conversation and you guys know that I don't call these interviews these are conversations these are laid back these are just me talking to the people that I look up to and uh, uh you know he has been such a he, he has been someone that I've been trying to get on this this show and when I had the courage because it it, it took courage honestly to reach out to him because I felt as though he was someone that's unreachable because of The prestige that is surrounded uh by him so um if you guys don't know who we're talking to we are talking to William Wisher and he is among many other things a very talented uh, screenwriter who is responsible for giving us one of the greatest films sequels action films of all time and uh I'm just very honored to have him on the show and uh talk to me today so without further ado William Wisher how are you doing today
1: I'm doing fine Eddie how are you
0: I am perfect Um, it is Super Bowl Sunday and uh, something that I did not know because I'm not a football guy Um, but
1: yeah neither am I I'm not I'm not watching that thing
0: okay so I was gonna ask because my family is very much a Patriot going family and i and i and i found out that the rams are from los angeles which is where you are from So,
1: yeah they've they've come back they were here uh in the 70s for sure and um uh, my brother is a huge uh, football fan and a rams fan uh and um uh, i i never really kind of he got all the football dna in the family but i was actually they used to um Uh, practice uh, out at, I I think it was Cal State Fullerton. And I used to play uh, racquetball down there. We're talking about the early seventies. And I actually ran in uh, off the field with them one time. I had no idea they were out there and, you know, ground started to rumble and these big apartment building shadows were, you know, chasing me and I look around and it's the Rams. (laughs) And that was pretty funny. So I say, hey, you know, the Rams practice. And Brian's like, did you see them? I'm, Yeah. It's, oh, I'm so jealous. And, oh, well, whatever. So, <laughs> anyway. yep. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of my friends are very excited that the Rams are back and they're going to play. And if I cared about football, I would probably care as well. But I don't. So I'm talking to you. <laughs>
0: well, there you we go. And, and, and let me tell you, I am honored that you are not uh, a football fan because – You are here today, so um, I I know that when I when I initially pitched this this idea to you, um, you came back to me and you said that you had been essentially terminated out. Um,
1: yeah, it's that's you know it's been like 27 years, and I've given a lot of interviews over the years, and I'm I'm not trying to be grumpy about it, but yeah, I'm just kind of I'm not in that business anymore and uh uh haven't been for a long time so
0: and 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 that was the thing i I didn't take it as though you like you were grumpy about it or anything it was just and i and i came back with like okay i'm gonna try one more time here and if you say no i respect that and we'll you know we'll just we'll go our separate ways but i wanted to get you on here because um, I know that you've been asked a lot of the same questions over and over and over again, and that's probably why you just had reservations in the be- in the beginning to come back on here and and talk about Terminator again. But um, it does mean a lot, and I wanted to also. This is not just we're like we're we're going to talk about other stuff. It doesn't have to be Terminator, but um,
1: I that's, wanted to go. Ask away, ask away. It's okay.
0: Okay, I just wanted to go back to the to the beginning, which is I. That's how I like to start these, and and, sure. and kind of figure out how exactly becoming a screenwriter, in particular, became your career.
1: Oh, kind of by accident. Um, eh, that's not entirely true, but uh, initially, when I was, you know, a real young guy, I wanted to be an actor, uh, and that's how I ended up appearing in Terminator one and, and then again, by accident Terminator two, but uh, that was, that was what I thought I wanted to do. And I did it for a while. And, um, and I realized that uh, uh, I thought I was pretty good at it, but I I didn't care for the business end of it, like at all. And um, so I kind of got burnt out on, on that. I was, you know, I'd done some plays and, and a couple of things and, Uh, A tiny little uh, low budget film called The Reunion back about 1974. And um, anyway, I I realized, yeah, I don't want to do this. What do you want to do? And um, now we're going back to high school in my head. Um, And uh, I I wrote some term paper, I think, on the Battle of Britain. And um, because I like history as well. And uh, and I, I just got, you know like an a plus plus kind of a thing. And I thought, you know, I'm pretty, I guess I'm pretty good at writing, but I don't don't know how to do it. Not really. Um, And uh, how old was I? I was probably about 12, gosh, uh, 26, 27. And um, so what I did was I thought, well, I don't want to go back to school uh, for four more years. Um, but I need to, if I'm going to do this, I need to actually learn, you know, uh, sort of the classic uh, rules and so forth about, about writing. So I was living in Los Angeles and I, I went out to UCLA uh, and I went to the creative writing department and um, uh, I took the syllabuses off of all the professors' doors and for whatever classes they were teaching. And uh, took about 500 bucks at that time down to the bookstore bought all the books um read them all did the the, the you know the classwork um off of the book and uh, and i went to i could go into a couple of lectures whenever they were doing lecture stuff because uh they don't really care you know so you walk into a classroom they're like you don't belong here but you go into a lecture hall and no one no one cares. And so I said, Well what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna uh I'm gonna do all this work, read all these books, and at the end of a year I'm gonna have written a screenplay. Uh, I'm gonna learn how to do it and then I'm gonna write it. And so I did and it was really bloody awful, but it had a beginning, a middle end, and an end. And um um and so I said, Okay, well, I'm gonna start working, start writing and um And so I did. And I kind of never looked back. And it was a a year or so after that, I think, that um, Jim Cameron had come back. Uh, He was starting to write. Uh, I was starting to write. And he had this uh, treatment for uh, Terminator, the first one. I think he'd written it. He was in Italy, I think, working on uh, Piranha 2. And he came (laughs) back. Yeah, That was the very first thing he ever did. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> and uh, he 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 came back, and we just started talking, because we, you know, oh, I should back up and tell you that Jim and I have known each other since 1973, so we've been friends for, you know, close to about a decade. And um, so he uh, uh, was shopping it, and um, uh, I think we were sharing an, yeah, we were sharing an apartment at that time. And uh, uh, out in uh, um, the valley off of White Oak Avenue. And um, um, so we were just in real close proximity. And he, and he said, oh, I made a deal, you know, uh, to do this based on the treatment. But, but uh, um, I got to write it really quick. Would you, you know, be interested in helping write, write some of this? And I said, sure. And I probably wrote about, I don't, it's hard to, judge but uh it it wasn't like t2 that was we'll get to that in a minute but based off of his treatment i think i wrote maybe 20 percent of it maybe something like that and uh which was mostly the um uh the early scenes with uh sarah uh and her friends you know and and at uh uh what was effectively a bob's big boy um it was modeled on at the restaurant she worked in and um and then all of the Vukovic, Traxler police scenes, um, I, I fleshed all those out and wrote all those. And, uh, and then I just kind of, you know, um, threw my two cents here or there on stuff he had worked on and, you know, um, and then he put it together. And, uh, and so it was early days of writing for me. So he and he knew, you know, that, that uh, I'd been acting and stuff like that. And he says, well, you know, do you want a SAG card? Because I can put you in the movie, you can play the cop that Arnold uh, kills you know steals his police car, and I thought, well, options are nice. I don't think I really want to really want to act anymore, but I mean it wouldn't hurt to have a sad card, so I said sure and uh, and that's how I ended up being in in the film and um, and that was t one and then um, you know so about seven years later, we did Terminator two,
0: so okay, I want to. Um, touch on a couple of the things that you mentioned Um, at what time between uh, you meeting Jim and doing the first Terminator because you were also uh, in the short film that he did Xenogenesis
1: yeah that was around 1978 I think
0: and personally I've never seen that I don't know how
1: readily available that is just go on, uh, on the internet and google it the name, and I, I believe um, someone 's put it up on youtube uh, it 's really not that hard to find
0: I might have to do because i i 'm kind of old school I, I I love like physical media, so I love like a, like a DVD or a blu ray of it, and I just feel like i 'm supporting the project that way versus like you know looking at like maybe a bootlegged version of it or
1: well i don 't think there's really uh a project to support, you know, I mean, we, we made that thing back in the late seventies. And the idea was was a fellow named Randy Frakes that was actually writing that with Jim, as I recall, he's a friend of ours. And, um, and I was just in it, you know, um, but, but it was an all hands on deck kind of a, kind of a thing. We made it for virtually no money. And, um, so, uh, yeah, I appear in the thing, but also, um, uh, I helped make some of the uh, the background sets and everybody just kind of threw in and, and, and it really was like putting on a plane in, you know, in, in cousin Bobby's barn. You know, we just we just all kind of got it, got it done. And the idea was uh, to make a short in order to get funding for the uh, what would have been a feature film. And of course we couldn't, uh, it was, it was great experience for all of us, uh, but it was um, ultimately, you know, we never, we never got the picture set up, but we learned a lot. And, um, and it was really old school. I mean, they were doing stop motion animation and split diopter, you know, what they call a shuffling shot where you, you uh, it's a split diopter. And, and, and so we could put the models on one side and then, film that in stop motion and then and then and then run the film back and uh, put the you know put the split screen on the other side and then and then i would appear and and uh so uh, uh and then they would film that and so we actually ended up having that effect in uh as they say in one in you know, other words one piece of film It wasn't uh uh it wasn't a process shot and um just all kinds of things that, that, that we did on that, but we really did it as though it was like 1927. You know what I mean? It was just very, 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 uh, old school. And and I think we edited it on a chem table, you know, where you physically cut pieces together, glue them together. And, uh, so, um, yeah, that's how we did that. And, uh, Oh yeah. We did rotoscope, um, frame by frame for laser hits and stuff like that
0: so oh man I'm just geeking out hearing you say all this stuff because it's so like I, I truly miss those days of um, and I was born in the 90s but like I'm, I'm still like very much a fan of the old school way versus anything that comes out today and it's not taking anything away from where it's all progressing to but it's just you look at something like the Terminator and there's such a there's such a like a lovely factor to it. The fact that it, you can tell it's, it's passion put into real labor versus doing it all on a, on a, on a computer. And, and, and it just doesn't have that same effect. And I know I'm taking it away just saying it's on a computer, but you know, especially with motion capture and, and all that stuff, but I don't know. There's such a, there's such a low key vibe to the old school ways.
1: Well, the first Terminator 2 was also, was very noir and, um, you know, kind of gritty looking. And, and, uh, and that was really more out of, you know, necessity. Uh, We didn't have a lot of money. I I think, I think the whole thing was done for around 6 million. And um, which is approximately what was spent on uh, Terminator 2's opening credit sequence you know because at the time i think it was the most expensive motion picture ever made um a hundred and million plus dollars to get it done now and that's obviously been blown completely out of the water since then in terms of cost but we had we had a lot of money and so um you know you do what you can with what you have and and i think if jim had had a hundred million dollars for terminator one, he, he absolutely would have, uh, you know, made it, uh, look bigger and, and, and all of that stuff, but, but, you know, it's like you do what you can with what you got and make decisions based on that. And, um, I still think it's a terrific picture. It doesn't have the production values that T T2 does cause it didn't have the money, but it, uh, it, it's a, it's a real kind of earthy gritty film noir thriller um and i I, you know i think it holds up really well today
0: oh it does It, it it really does i know it's hard for someone who was involved in it to kind of step back and look at it objectively but and you've heard this a million times but coming from a diehard fan it holds up incredibly well and i show i show the terminator to people who have never seen it before and first i'm like just like what are you doing and second of all watch this and put aside the fact that yeah maybe a couple shots of Arnold you know cutting his eye out looks a little goofy but you just appreciate it because you can look at it and be like okay that was 84 and I can't imagine being in a theater in 84 and seeing that because that would be like I compare it to seeing Avatar in 2009 because that you 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 looked at that and you were like that's real like that's 100% real
1: yeah even this I know what you're talking about some of the uh um, uh, model shots that uh, uh, like cutting out his eye and all that stuff in the bathroom. Um, it, it didn't look goofy then. It looks a little goofy today because our eyes, uh, as an audience have become you know, more sophisticated uh, than they were back then. but uh, um, yeah, no, it, 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 it played really well. It played really well. And you know it's interesting too if you, if you look at that film and look at the lighting. I, I've used the word noir about three times now, but uh, that's because uh, th- that's how it strikes me. Um, you know that sort of blue neon—no, not neon. What do they call that? The blue. Um, uh, what do you call those tube lights? Um, that I can't stand. They're in factories all over the place. Anyway. I think I understand what you're going. Yeah. But anyway, it's, you know, and there's a flicker rate with that stuff and it just, it just, it's it just, you know, um, has this real kind of, you know, dark look to the, to the whole thing. Um, and, um, you know, I, I just think it's lovely, but, but a lot of the reason it looks the way it does, again, is out of, you know, budget and, uh, and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, as I've said, you know, you do with, you can with what you've got and you make decisions on, on how it should look or how it should feel based on what, you know, you can actually put on film. You know? Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and focusing on the Terminator, something you also said that um, is debatable and coming from you. I mean, we might as well take it as, yep, this is the official fate of the person, but you, you really f- believe that your character in the film as small as it was you believe that in that one little hit against the door he's he's gone
1: well I think that's how (laughs) I'll tell you I'll expand on this in a second but um uh god I haven't looked at the script in over 30 years but I, I we thought yeah he's killing that guy he breaks his neck okay And, and, uh, you know, now that the way we did it, worked it out with the stunt team is I'm actually, uh, my, my shoulder is what hits the window. Um, but it was, you know, we tried to frame it. So it looked like he just smashes his, you know, head against the window and probably, probably breaks his neck and just throws him away. So I always assumed, and I think Jim did too, that, no, that's a dead guy. You know, that at that moment, Arnold just kills him. And, um, Although I had somebody work up this theory uh, once I was doing an interview and they, and they said, well, no, we think that you're not dead. And in fact, when you appear in T- T2 uh, in the shopping mall, that it's supposed to be the same guy. And that's why he looks so freaked out because and I'm like, yeah, I think you're overthinking this <laughs> 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 um, because I ended up in T2 quite by accident um, I had no intention of appearing in it. And I, and I told Jim at the beginning of the process, it's like, look, I'm, I'm a writer now. Uh, I don't really, you know, uh, want to be in it. And I, and I told him, I said, besides I died in the first one, it wouldn't make any sense for me to be in the second film. And he was like, yeah, okay. But there, <laughs> there was uh, um, that, that character, if you want to call it, it's basically just a cameo without any dialogue. But uh, Jim had... I think he was on a film junket uh, to Tokyo or some, something like that. And he made friends with this uh, Japanese fella. Um, and he was supposed to fly over. And that was supposed to be a, a Japanese tourist. That's how it was written in the script. And the guy missed his plane. And, you know, I was I was around, even though I wasn't in it, I was around production on T2 all the time. And, uh, my phone rang and Jim said... Uh, you got to be on set tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. I go, why? And he said, so-and-so missed his flight. And and I don't want you to argue with me, just you're going to be the guy. And I was like, okay. And um, uh, so it was really just a last-minute thing uh, because someone missed their flight, and that's the only reason I appeared in T2.
0: Do you think that um, because the way that shot is kind of cut is it's sort of a wide shot of Arnold laying there and then he's getting up, and then it literally cuts to a close up of your face
1: yeah me and this woman standing this girl behind me yeah
0: do you like was that do you think that was always going to be that way or is it just because it's 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 billed do you think that it's going to um alter Cameron's decision in the in the in the cutting room floor of like okay I'm gonna focus on him just because of your guys's relationship
1: he he might have I you know I really I had, I had no idea <laughs> I just showed up
0: and... isn't it crazy how people like really delve into this kind of stuff like no I know
1: I know I know it it uh, uh literally um uh I like I said he had a phone call and said be here in the morning." Okay. And then, uh, stand here, hold the camera, do that. And okay. And, and, and that was pretty much it that my, my biggest memory of that day of, of course, you know, you, your call is at 6am and they don't shoot it until noon or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I just remember getting there at six o'clock in the morning and it was, we shot that at the Santa Monica, uh, mall. Okay. Down by the pier in Santa Monica. And, um, and that we also shot at the, uh, the the Galleria out in the valley. They just kind of glued all that you know together. But but that shot was in, in Santa Monica, and I remember getting there at six a.m. It's ungodly early, and uh, I saw that Jim. I you know I walked around the set and I saw him and he had a cup of coffee, and I said and nothing was open. And I said hey hey Jim Jim where'd you get the coffee. I really want some coffee. And he goes, I have no idea. I just put my hand out like that. And someone puts coffee in it for me, you know? And, uh, I said, who? So I, I went over and I found, uh, his assistant. And I said, I really like some coffee. And, uh, she ran and got me some. And, um, that was my chief, you know, my biggest concern that day was finding a cup of coffee at 6am. <laughs> so oh, which which they did do and uh uh anyway yeah but that that was fun and so you know we shot it and i didn't really think anything about it and then yeah i did notice when the film came out they kind of punch in on me a little bit um but i guess that you know you'd have to ask him why we never really talked about it cuz it just didn't seem like that big a deal to me you know
0: true and you know something like honestly until i became very much you know into dissecting basically every frame of both films yeah i think that i think that your appearances in both films you can look at it as that theory of okay the cop doesn't actually get killed and he's alive and well and and whatever or you can look at it as it's two separate characters but i don't think it's a Conflict of like interest or anything of going. Oh man, that makes no sense. He was in the because you almost don't even look the same.
1: No, not not really. You know, but then, do you know who Lindsay Anderson was, the British uh, film director? If and a couple of other films
0: doesn't you know, ring a bell.
1: Well, I, I he's he's passed away, but um, I, I knew him a little bit. And he was, I think it was, I think it was If with Malcolm McDowell. And in the middle of this color film, there's a black and white sequence and Anderson was a real like suffered no fools kind of kind of, you know, wonderful talent, a bit of a grumpy Englishman. He was asked at some festival one time, why? What is the significance of uh, that black and white sequence in the middle of the movie? You know, th- does it mean this is about man's in humanity to man, or you know, God in the universe, and all? He goes, no, we shot that on a Sunday, and we ran out of color film, so I had someone drive back to my house where we had some black and white stock because we had to get the days in the camera. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so, basically, there is no meaning. <laughs> I Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and you know, I don't... Uh, I mean, it's fun to kind of play around with all of this, but there is there is no meaning to me appearing in both movies. You know, it just turned out that way because a guy missed his flight, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of funny when people, uh, you know, are, are compelled to come up with theories about why that happened and what does it mean and is it really the same guy? And it's like, no, a guy missed his flight. Exactly. <laughs> That's all it was. And I-
0: And I've heard that story and, 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 and I I know you've, you've uh, like recounted that uh, like a bunch of times, but I mean, there you go, everybody listening, you have had, like you have it (laughs) with with his voice. Like a lot of these, a lot of these interviews with you, I've, I've, I've read on like, like websites and stuff Uh and you know, it's the written word and I always view it as, okay, I, I definitely believe that. They actually talked to him, and they, they just transcribed everything. But you never know. So there we <laughs> go. It is official this time.
1: Yeah, I mean, if there's more to it than that, I sh- I sure don't know about it. I mean, that's just what happened, you know? Uh, yeah. <sighs>
0: so, okay. The Terminator comes out, and I've talked to – I've actually talked to uh, previously uh, Marianne Muller-Liley. She played the, uh, the wrong Sarah Connor.
1: Oh, yeah, right, right. Yes.
0: And I, and I asked her this question um, when you were making the film. And this is a question that probably is, is also asked a lot, but if, if, if there's anything that you can provide, because it, it, it's different coming from the, like, like the writer versus the actor. So I said, when you're, when you're making this landmark of a film during it, is there any kind of a vibe on the set where you're going, this is actually, not just your run-of-the-mill science fiction movie, it's going to hit the theaters and then vanish in a year or so. Was there any kind of a sense of that going on, maybe even in the, in the writing room?
1: Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that it's impossible to know um, if something is going to uh, uh, be- become an iconic thing like the first two Terminators, or if it's just going to, like, as you said, you know, hit the theater, disappear and make make some money or fail or, or make a lot of money. You, you, you don't know. All you can do, which is what we did, was, um, uh, uh, you know, to try and try and make it as good as you can, you know, and uh, um, uh, all the other stuff that happens afterwards, you know, so looking at it backwards, um, I would like to be able to say, you know, um, oh, I knew this was going to be, you know, um, a line or or a, or a moment that that's going to change film forever. And the truth of it is, you have no idea. You don't know that. It doesn't feel like that. You just kind of go, oh, that will be cool. Oh yeah. And and the way we worked, the way we wrote that. Um, was uh we sat down side by side i mean they don't really but I, I don't know a lot of guys who do this it's the only time i've ever written anything this way i usually work by myself and then check in with you know a director or a producer if there's a director already on it and um um you know shooting pages and what do you think and go back and forth but um you know jim called uh, one, one afternoon, we were actually thinking about doing another project. I don't have no idea. I can't even remember what it was. It, it clearly never happened. Never, never went anywhere. And he says, "Yeah, you know, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And you know, what's that? Well, we can't do the thing we were going to do. I don't want to do that. And all right, fine. And I said, what's the good news? He goes, well, the good news is Mario Kassar and Andy Vanya drew all, you know, pulled all the rights together from Terminator and um, Terminator 2 is on. I'm like, oh, cool. And he goes, um, and the bad news to that is that we're already behind schedule. You know, because they work these things backwards from release dates. And it was coming out July 4th of the following year. And I don't know. I thought it might have been March or April when, when I got that phone call. And, um, uh, and he said, so, you know, get in your car and come over. And um, so I did. And we just – Uh, We wrote it very quickly. It was about six and a half weeks, I think, something like that. And we'd had a lot of time in between, um, you know, Terminator 1 and 2 to kind of get rid of all the bad ideas, you know, talk about what ifs, you know. And um, so we just sort of sat down and, um, and was kind of like, well, all right. Uh, now, we cheated a little bit because only seven years had gone by, but I think we were making John Connor on He was like 12. Um, uh, but, but, you know, we didn't care about that. And um, uh, so we was like, well, we would say like, well, where do you think Sarah Connor would be? You know, uh, she's killed this one Terminator. She knows, you know, that the world's going to end and blah, 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 blah. Well, she would probably, you know, be telling people and she probably, you know, hook up with survivalists and that kind of thing to get some self-defense skills and all of that. And then she'd probably be in a mental institution. You run around telling people that cyborgs from the future are coming back to kill kill you and that Skynet's going to take over the world and blah, 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 blah. They're going to think you're a nutter. So yeah, that's where she would be, you know, and then, okay, well, then her son would be in a foster home. And uh, and and you know we we kind of logicked it out of what we thought would, would most likely you know uh, have happened, and then the and then the big thing, of course, uh, was the idea of making Arnold um, the good guy, and that may seem like a no brainer today because it worked, and and it's like of course he's the good guy. But, but back then, Arnold had already been making lists of, um, you know, best villains of all time. And, uh, and that's what the Terminator was. He was this huge villain. And so it's like, well, we're going to undo that. And we knew it was a good idea. You know, it's it's one of the first things that we said was, you know, like, what's the point of making a sequel? I mean, to make money? That's not good enough. Anything can make money. You know. So there has to be a real reason and and a and a, a place to take the story um that uh, uh we hadn't anticipated before, so that it's not just a repetition of the first one done with more money. And so we were trying to, you know, think of that. And then we came up with that idea. And it was a it was a funny kind of, one of those funny things where it's like either this is really brilliant or it's the dumbest thing we ever thought of, you know, because, because to take this, this great villain and turn him into the good guy. Now we knew it was, or we assumed or felt it was a really, really good idea, but it was a little scary at first. And I remember we, we had to call Arnold and, and tell him uh, what we wanted to do. And, um, you know, and, and Arnold kind of, he listened and he was surprised that we wanted to do that. And it's like, no, no, you'll be cool. Don't you worry, so, you know. And, um, uh, uh, and he said, okay, you know, I trust you guys that you know what you're doing. And, um, and so I was, you know, I was a little concerned about that at first, uh, just because it was a big, big twist. But I knew in my gut, and I know Jim did too, um, that it was, it was like a pretty brilliant chess move in terms of spinning the, uh, the sequel into a whole other direction. And um turns out we were right.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, you were. Oh my gosh. There's so much I need to like pick your brain about. Oh my God. Um, why the one thing I've noticed about looking through specifically Cameron's films is every other film up until now with 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 the second avatar but prior to that all of his films he is credited as the sole writer except for terminator and terminator 2 that's correct why do you think that what do you think it was like was this like too much of a like too big of a like like an undertaking for him to just solely do by himself, and he needed the expertise of somebody else.
1: Well, yeah, it was a couple of things. Uh, no, I don't think it was necessarily too big. And Jim's a is a good writer, um, but partly it was the time frame, and partly it was because I was the only other guy in the world who had worked, you know, had written on on Terminator. Um, and, uh, even though, you know, my credit on that ended up being pretty lousy, but that's okay. I don't care. Um, and so, um, when it came time to do Terminator two, we knew we didn't have a lot of time. Um, he liked my writing. We, like I said, had been friends for well over a decade by then. And, uh, and I knew the story. And, uh, so he said, you know, let's do it together. And in fact, he wanted to flip a coin. Because uh, he said, yeah, you know, we're going to share riding credit. You want to flip a coin to see who goes first, you know, in terms of, of order. And I thought about it and I said, Jim, no, because if I win, you're just going to hate it for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, um, so I tell you what, you take first position. And if there is a Terminator 3 and we do that together. Then we'll, we'll, you know, then I'll go first on that one. He said, "Okay, that's a deal." Uh, As it happened, uh, we ended up neither one of us being involved in Terminator Three, and um, uh, and 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 that what they ended up making would have been nothing like what we might have done. Um, But uh, 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 Mario and Andy got the rights, and they wanted to hire Jim to direct it and he's no, I'm, I wanted the rights and, you know, and they got to him first and then he didn't want to be a a guy for hire. So um, uh, he didn't want to work on it. And then he asked, he's, you know, would you do me a favor and not work on it? And I said, okay. Although they, they tried really hard to get me on that film. And then, and that's why they killed Linda, because Linda Hamilton didn't want to be in it. And then they knew they had to get Arnold. And so Arnold called Jim and said, you know, uh, will you hate me forever if I do this? And he goes, no, I understand. They can't make a Terminator film without you. They can make it without any of the rest of us, but they got to have you. So just charge them as much money as you possibly can. That'll make me feel better. And um, I guess that's what happened. Uh, but um, so anyway, we sat down. Let's go back to T2. So Jim said, you know, <laughs> come over, sit down, and we got to figure this out. So we we spent a few days talking it out. And, uh, until we kind of had, you know, um, the basic map in our head of what it, what it was going to look like and, and, you know, the kinds of things that were going to happen. And we, we, it all came together very quickly, you know, Miles Dyson and, and, uh, turning the Terminator into a good guy, that whole notion of, of, of Arnold, Linda, and, 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 um, uh, I can't remember the actor's name. It's terrible. John Connor. Um being this fractured family, you know, driving in a car down the highway, all of that we liked a lot and just knew it. It just felt right. And um, uh, so we just started uh, taking turns at the keyboard and the way Jim always works. And, and consequently, I work a lot this way myself is um, you, you start writing a treatment I think, I, I think he's talked about this a lot. He actually calls them a scriptment because you, you start out kind of writing a treatment and then you just, you don't have a separate document. You keep expanding that treatment until it turns into a screenplay. And, um, you know, with all the proper formatting and all that stuff. And so we just, we just sat down and just started talking. You know, I mean, we, we kind of wrote the treatment out loud and we would take turns. I'd type for a while, he'd type for a while. And, um, um, you know, we, we, we spent a couple of few weeks doing that two or three. I can't, I mean, it was 28 years ago now or nine. I I can't really remember. Um, and then, but we, and we got that front to back. My name was about 45 or 50 pages, I think at that point. Um, And then Jim said, okay, let's cut it in half and then flesh it out. So I think I I took the first half, I think. Honestly, I can't be certain anymore. But I think I took the first half and he took the second half. And then we expanded them until, you know, it was a screenplay. And uh, that took a couple more weeks. And then we glued it back together and sat down and went through it front to back one more time, making cuts and edits and that kind of thing. And then uh, he had to um, fly off to Cannes, where Arnold was. And I remember we printed it out. I was at his house. We printed it out. And he threw it in a suitcase or a briefcase. And a car came to pick him up, take him to the airport, and I went home. And that was it. That was about six, six and a half weeks, I think, You know, maybe seven. And, um, and then he, you know, got a hold of me a couple of days later after Arnold had read it. And Arnold said we love it. And uh, Mario and Andy, Mario Casar and Andy Vanya didn't really um, y- interfere much in my recollection of it. They just liked it. You know, like, you know, you guys know what you're doing. And um, so therefore, they were a pleasure to work with <laughs> because they kind of let us do what we wanted to do. And um, but I but I do know that when we were writing the, the treatment out, and we were coming up with these ideas, you know, like um, oh, the the you know the floor, the black and white uh, linoleum floor that kind of you know morphs up into uh, the security guard at the uh, at the mental institution, and um, you know all the other um, CG shots. Well, CG was just being invented, okay. So we would have an idea, and then Jim would get on the phone. he said, say, well, I, let's call ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, who were doing the, the effects, or the lion's share of them. And um, he'd say, okay, we want to do this. Can you guys do that? And they would always say, yeah, we can do that. And, and Jim said, oh, they say they can do it, so let's put it in. And, you know, I, I remember joking with him one time. I said, do you, do you think that they hang the phone up and go, Oh, fuck me. How are we going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of giggle about it. And it's like, yeah, but they did. They did every single every single uh, thing that we, we could think of. They managed to get it uh, done and to do it really well. I mean, it's, it, the funny thing is you look at T2 today and um, the effects uh, uh, look just as good. You know, I mean, they don't look funky. You know, they don't look dated. They, they, they—they're very smooth and—and and, um, you know—but a lot of that too was, uh, you know, uh, uh, not all just effects. Like, for instance, uh, that that uh, security guard at uh, where where uh, Sarah Connors at right, and the floor morphs up into him. And then he looks at himself. Remember, there's a second guy, right? And and then, you know, the one guy points his finger and goes right through his head and kills him. Those were twin brothers. So that wasn't a process shot. I mean, the finger part was. But so wherever possible, um, just to save money, um, you know, we we did little things like that. Um, Also, Linda Hamilton has a twin sister. And there's a shot uh, towards the end in the very finale, uh, when they're in that big, you know, uh, factory, uh, the metal, pardon me, the metal plant. There's a shot where Lynn is with herself in the the same shot. And that was, that's actually her twin sister. So wherever, wherever we could, we, you know, try and uh, uh, trick you in a different way. Some of its effects. Some of its twins, some of it's this, some of it's that. Uh, so that your eye can't really tell what the hell you're looking at. Or how well, I shouldn't say that. Your eye can't really tell how we did that to be more precise. Yeah. So and when you're
0: when you're when you're in the writer's room and you're and you're working out the idea of T2, you said that there were um We some didn't by the audience. way, by the way,
1: by the way, we didn't really call it a writer's room. It was a room. <laughs> It was oh, okay, just—it okay. was just us. <laughs> gotcha, when, gotcha. I, when I hear writers' room, I think of a room like in, in TV where there's like six writers and a showrunner and, and all of that stuff. Now it was just—it was—it was just a room with a computer in it, you know, like a den. Anyway, but go ahead.
0: Okay, so uh, so the, the the room that you and and Jim were in, yeah. um, You said that there were some bad ideas that maybe didn't make it into. No product. no
1: no 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 that's not what that's not how i meant that um what i meant was between terminator 1 and terminator 2 that that 6 or 7 years that went by um you know we might have discussed a what if one day and um i know what you're going to ask me next and, and and the answer is i don't really remember but um what I meant was we'd already had enough years in between that if we'd ever talked about it and had a bad idea and said, like, ah, no, that would be stupid. We already got rid of all of those. So when we sat down to do Terminator 2, there were no bad ideas that I can remember that we had to reject. It, it was pretty smooth sailing and we, we pretty much knew, I mean, it is remarkable to me today, uh, you know, so many years later that, it went as quickly and smoothly as possible. It just did, it was a, it just came together. Like, well, if we do this, then that'll happen. If we do that, that'll happen and say, like, oh, that'll be cool. And then we can do that. Yeah, that's great. You know, um, and uh, uh, you know, one of, one of the things that we knew from the get-go is if we're gonna make Arnold the Terminator, the good guy, then Who's he going to be fighting? It can't be another Arnold. That's boring. It can't be a bigger Arnold. That's boring. And um, so we went, well, let's let's give this, this is, you know, the Zen approach, the yin-yang approach. If Arnold is big and hard, um, then his enemy should be smaller and softer. And out of that kind of came the T-1000, you know, that can – that's, that's a soft metal and uh, can shapeshift and do all kinds of things that Arnold can't do. So he's, he's, not, he's not fighting a batter ass version of himself. He's fighting an entirely different um, construct. And so, so that, and, and we just logic our way through that. Like that would be interesting having Arnold fight another Arnold, boring, you know? And, and so we kind of went like, yeah, that's the right way to do that um so all of it just i don't know kind of happened intuitively i think
0: uh, I, I will tell you that just just that coming off of anybody's tongue t1000 <laughs> t1000 when you say that oh my gosh just the on top of obviously patrick's performance and everything because i do believe that it's it, it, it's like you said with the coin it's like one day I'll be like the T-800 from the first film is the best villain of all time and then it'll be the T-1000 is the best villain of all time. Yeah, And it just, even that, even saying T-1000, I mean, that just, it just resonates for some reason. It has such a a power to it. T-1000. Yeah,
1: it, it's pretty cool. Well, I mean, Arnold, I think was a, what was he, a model? He was an 800. 800? Yeah, the 800 series. And uh, so, you know, it supposed to be a later development. I'll tell you a funny story about that. Um, um, so Jim was casting the film. Um, you know, after the script's done, whatever. We're into pre-production. He's doing some casting. And I was, I was dropping by with some regularity. And I, I went to see him. We were going to have lunch, I think. And I, I walk into the, the, you know, the outer office uh, of the production offices. And I, I see this guy sitting in a chair or on a couch. did not matter. And it's Robert Patrick. And I took one look at him and I was like, oh, wow, this guy looks great. So I walked over and I introduced myself and I said, uh, you know, I told him who I was and he told me who he was. And I said, well, listen, I, I'm going to go in and see you. Yeah, nice to meet you. I'm going to go in and see Jim. So I walk into Jim's office. I go, you do know that the T-1000 is sitting in the lobby. I mean, that that's the guy and he kind of grinned he goes yeah he doesn't know it yet <laughs> Wow, he said he, he read for it and uh he goes in, in fact i'm about to go tell him you know that he's got the part and i said god he's he's perfect he's just perfect and um uh so that was that was just kind of funny i walked in, took one look at him and went like yep that you're the t1000 and uh uh And so he's very well cast, and he was really, really good in the movie, you know. Uh, And he's such a good guy; I still know him today. And um, you know, he's a very good actor. And uh, the older he gets, the more he looks like John Wayne. I don't know if you've noticed that, but look look at pictures of him more, more recently. And um, he really has a John Wayne thing going.
0: Interesting, interesting, And, and and what's also interesting is. You and Robert all, both have a history with um, the Die Hard franchise.
1: Um, I know I do. What's was Robert in the Die Hard series?
0: He was. I don't because I'm not a big Die Hard like watcher, but I do know that he I, he's one of the bad guys in uh, which one is it? It's
1: well, I worked on three and four. And it I might be two it might be two because i i have uh, uh, i i was in production on both of those films every day for months and um and i you know if robert had been around on 3 or 4 i i I'm, I'm, i know i would have known it but uh, but i had nothing to do with the first one or two when it came to die hard 3 I think I did that in 94, came out in 95, I believe. Um, And I had just uh, come off of a kind of an unpleasant experience with the, um, what was it? Uh, Oh, God. Um, uh, The the, uh, Stallone movie. Um,
0: Oh, uh, Judge Dredd?
1: Yeah, Judge Dredd. And I'd written it and um and it was a much darker more serious piece and then they hired danny cannon who wanted to make it more of a comic book kind of thing you know goofier uh and and i I was not happy with that you know and and i already knew andy and mario because of terminator it's probably goes a long way to how i i I got dread in the first place and um and it it got unpleasant towards the end and I had to leave the project. Um, dread I'm talking about. And, um, and Andy felt bad about that. And so he said, listen, I, you know, I feel bad about that. So, um, I tell you what, can you, um, I'm doing this little film called Die Hard three. Um, the script needs a bit of a polish. Would you mind flying out to New York? And, um, just, you know, spend a couple of weeks. And I said, sure, Andy, you know, you're paying me a weekly rate. That's nice. So I, 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 I got the script. I got on a plane I don't know, that night, next day, and I read the script on the way there. And I was like, oh, yeah, this needs some work. And um, uh, when I got there, I did not know Bruce or John or or, or or any of the people. Uh, or Sam Jackson, or anything. And I got there and they were shooting, uh, they'd only been in production, I think, four or five days, okay? And they were shooting the big car chase sequence through Central Park. And um, so I kind of waited uh, until he yelled, Cut. And you know what Video Village is? It's kind of like where the director sits with all the monitors, they, they move it wherever. It's a movable feast, you know, wherever they set all that stuff up, they call it Video Village. So I walk over to Video Village and I see McTiernan. And I walk up and I introduce myself and he's not in a good mood and he's kind of grumpy. And uh, so I ask him a couple of questions. And uh, why are you shooting this? Because because it's the only thing in the whole fucking script I know I'm keeping. Like, ooh, okay, And... um, I thought all right, so then I went over to introduce myself to Bruce and what what I realized right away was um he wasn't too happy to see me either uh it was It was in the very beginning, not a very happy set. and they no one liked the script, but they had to make it and again you know um, uh, you start with the release date and then you work to production backwards so they 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 jumped into this um, uh and had you know and just had to 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 make you know get the movie done um and bruce was uh, scared i think that's fair to say because he knew that if if it if it you know failed they you know to 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 have your own franchise screw up is like the scariest thing to a movie star ever and um so he was really nervous and mcternan wasn't happy and they weren't getting along that great and i just remember going like jesus what have i got myself in here into here and um but I told Bruce you know I said listen and, oh and also neither one of them had asked for me I was like Andy's guy you know and um so I think they felt like I had been foisted on him a little bit and uh uh so I said to Bruce you know it's like well listen then, uh because at one point I, I said well if you don't want me here I'll just go home I had just gotten married you know I said I have a perfectly good wife sitting at home you know not with me. And so I'll just go home. And he, and he looked at me and he goes, yeah, everybody can go home but me. And I was like, oh, you're just, you're just scared. And I said, I'll tell you what, Chris, you know, if you, if you keep an open mind and work with me, I promise I won't go home until the film is right. And he kind of looked at me and he was like, okay, you know. And, uh, and then that night I got together with John McTiernan. Anyway, the point is I wasn't there for two weeks. I stayed there for, I don't know, seven months. And, um, I just rewrote all of it. Um, I mean, we kept the plot, obviously you can't, uh, throw that out the window, but every single scene and every, you know, thing we came up with, um, uh, you know, kind of got invented. And I spent a lot of those weeks and months writing faster than, uh, they could record, you know, than they could film. And, um, uh, uh, and it, it, I mean, that, that movie has no right to be as good as it is. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> considering <laughs> how we put it together, but, uh, uh, but I had, a, I had a great time and we shot mostly in New York city and I lived in a hotel there for four or five months, I guess. And, uh, um, and I was so busy, honestly, a lot of it becomes a blur. You know, there are certain things that that, that do stick with you but then we we moved the unit down to uh, Charleston South Carolina um, and we had uh, there's a huge air base there's a lot of aviation around Charleston and so there were these uh, big hangars that we uh, I think there were two of them that we rented and one we built a subway station in uh, and it was amazing if you would, I mean they act that like the walls you know that are made out of that subway New York subway tile that wasn't paint. Those were New York subway tiles. And I remember thinking, no, if you drugged someone in, in Manhattan and flew them down here and woke them up inside of here, they'd think they were in a subway in New York. I mean, the detail was just stunning. And um, so we did that. And uh, then we shot some exterior stuff. Uh, and then uh, the, the unit briefly moved, um, I think, to Canada the very, very end to do the helicopter stunt thing when they shoot the helicopter down. Um, but anyway, we were all over the map. And, uh, um, and, and of course, you know, longer stayed. I became friends with Bruce. I became friends with John McTiernan. And I did McTiernan's next movie, which was 13th Warrior, for him, after that. And, um, and then around '06, I think, I did uh, Die Hard 4 with Bruce and Len Wiseman and I executive, now I'm not credited as a writer on either of those films, but on Die Hard four, I have credit as an executive producer. Um, so, uh, I, I did pretty much the same thing, although it wasn't as much of a scramble because I didn't arrive after, you know, the, the week of shooting beginning. I, I showed up on that. They got me on that one about a month and a half before, um, production was uh, supposed to start so i i had you know comparatively a lot more time to deal with it and uh, so it was pretty much written um by the time we uh, flew out to baltimore where we started production and uh and but i was just on set every day as a, as executive producer and you know if, if a few things had to change here and there then i could certainly go back to my hotel room and take care of that but um, yeah, so those are my two diehard movies. They're monsters, and uh, they are real monsters. And um, uh, but they're a lot of fun, you know. Uh, if if you know if you don't mind the stress.
0: <laughs> and what's and what's kind of fascinating is, I mean, they are both mega mega franchises, and you look at you, you look at the, the the Terminator franchise and. Um, the next thing I wanted to just uh, quickly ask you is: sure. when you're when you're when you're fleshing out a franchise like that, um, are you when you're writing it, are you thinking of people who are going to watch this movie and want to know all the backstory to it, or are you just living in the moment of writing it as the the present day story that it is?
1: I'm not sure I completely understand what you're trying to ask me, but my gut tells me it's probably the latter. I mean, um, you just... How can I answer it? Uh, you, you, you just look at the problem in front of you and, and try and uh, solve it and, and make it as good a film as you possibly can. Um, now, if you've got sequels... And, and both both uh, Terminator 2 and then Die Hard 3 and 4 were sequels. Then you have history, right, uh, of of what came before it. And so, you know, sometimes you want to put some of that in. I re- I remember uh, – uh, what was it? I think it was on – I think it was on 4. Yeah, because we had um, Holly, the wife um, – as a, she, she doesn't appear in Die Hard 3, but at the very end of the movie, Sam Jackson, because they're you know, getting divorced or whatever, and Sam like, hands him a quarter or something and says, give her a call. You know. And the idea being, um, uh, okay, that's a little thing we put at the end that maybe you know, those two are going to get back together and try and work it out. By the time I got to four, I remember talking to Bruce, he said, well, should we put Holly a mention of her? And he's like, people get divorced. Why? They're divorced. Leave it alone, you know. And I kind of went, yeah, you know, you're probably right. So we decided not to, you know, put that in the film um, or make a reference to it. And um, uh, so, so yeah, there's history that you can go back and pluck things out of if it's, if it's a sequel or, or, or part of a franchise. But by and large, you kind of look at what you've got and you say, okay, well, how can I – you know, what should this be or what's the best version of this that it can be? And, and you, you just do that. You know, I, you don't think too much about, about other stuff um, because you really can't, you know, this isn't really time.
0: But like looking at Terminator 2, like were you thinking of how are we approaching this? Because when you, when, when you involve time travel automatically, you're kind of.
1: <sighs> oh, we had a lot of. See, T2 is a bit different. First of all, there'd only been one before it, and we've already talked about some of the changes we made in T2, like with Arnold and this and that. Um, in both films, uh, we had a we had we had uh, Jim and I, and uh, oh, and a friend of ours, Randy Frakes, came in at the very beginning just to talk stuff. We weren't really talking story; we were talking more like science fiction stuff. And uh, one of the things we discussed was time travel. And there's a lot of ways you can uh, look at time travel. Um, believe me, I know. Um, and it's a bit maddening. I th- what we kind of decided was that um, we were going to look at it as though um, um, each time Skynet threw a Terminator back – in time, you create an alternate timeline. So, right, in the, in the first one, there's, like, Sarah Connor lives her whole life. There are no Terminators. She dies of old age. You know, maybe she has kids. Who knows? And then Arnold shows up. Bang, second timeline. And then you get to T2, and then another Arnold shows up. Bam, third timeline. And you get to, you know, and then the T1000 shows up. Now there were four simultaneous timelines in existence, and um, uh, now you can, you, you know, I was gonna maybe do Terminator Five and Six when McG had a three-picture deal. He had done T Four, and uh, and I wrote two treatments um, on what what they might be, what Terminator Five and Terminator Six might be, because um, Arnold was governor during T Five, and, um, and and kind of unavailable. Uh, but I thought, yeah, we can at least use his voice. We can get him to do some voiceover for us. And so, uh, I created this sort of. Ectoskeleton version of, of, you know, that you'd seen of the TA hundred. And we were, we were just talking about how to play out the timelines. And I was thinking, well, you know, maybe we, we, we get to, uh, the present future, you know, where, where, um, uh, Skynet has thrown all these things back in time and all those timelines come back together in that moment where they were first created, you know, and I, I wanted to play around with that idea. Now, the whole thing that what happened was um, uh, the guys who were producing the movie and the guys who wanted to hire me um, and I think a company called Pacificor, which was I think a hedge fund. Anyway, th- they owned they got into a fight with each other and there was huge lawsuits and it just killed it. And it killed it for a few years, and then someone else came in and ended up getting the rights. And then they did their own Terminator Five, and uh, which I didn't bother to go see. Um, and uh, and now Jim Cameron got the rights. He's doing Terminator Six with um, with uh, uh, Tim Miller, and uh, directing. He's just producing it. And um, I know Tim; uh, he's a real good guy. And I just ended up not being involved in it. Uh, which you know, uh, is just how, how that shakes out sometimes. And, uh, uh, but you know, I, I had my Philip Terminator, and I'm on to other stuff, and um, I, I hope it's going to be good. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I really don't. And I've, I've not wanted to know, you know, if I'm not going to work on it, I don't want to know about it, and I can see it like everybody else does and see what well, they've come up with.
0: What's, what's really cool about your uh, explanation of the time travel, just kind of quickly going back, and then we'll, we'll, we'll punch forward because we've talked um, at a great length, and I do thank you for it. Um, you're about Terminator. Um, you will. You you're saying that in Terminator 2, when the T-800 and the T-1000 come back, we're on timeline 3. What's
1: interesting is… Timeline 3 and 4, yeah.
0: I am very much of the same belief that you had, and um, where we're dealing with alternate timelines. I just view it as t- uh, Terminator Two is we're still on timeline, you could say B, and uh, Skynet is sending these back from timeline A.
1: Yes,
0: and um, that is, and that's essentially it. And Terminator Six is hopefully going to continue that where, because they're getting rid of three, four and five, they're going to stay on essentially timeline B. I'm just the, the timeline three and four. That's what's kind of throwing me off a little bit. And we can geek out all day long about this stuff. Well,
1: let me, let me run it past you one more time real quick. Every time. uh, Skynet sends someone back in time or even John Connor who sent, you know, the good Arnold back in time every time uh, something is sent back in time from the future you create a new timeline so actually in terminator the first terminator you've got sarah connor living your life that's timeline a then arnold comes back to kill her that's timeline b in terminator 2 john connor sends uh, a good Terminator back, that's timeline C. And then Skynet sends the T-1000 back, that's timeline D. So what, what you're doing is actually jumping from one timeline, as, as, as an audience, you're actually jumping from one timeline to another to another. Now they all continue on, right? But we're just not looking at them anymore. Now we've moved to timeline D, as I said, in T2 and timelines A, B, and C are still playing out in the universe, but they've been altered now. And so we've kind of jumped from C over to D as a, as, as, as a viewing audience. And we're only paying attention to that one, but all the others still exist simultaneously. We're just not looking at them. Does that make sense?
0: Interesting. It does. It does. And I'm, and I'm following along with you. And I, I, I never thought about that.
1: It's the only way it can really work. I think. And anyway, it's what we decided to uh, – that's how we decided to look at it so that we could keep it logical in our heads. Now, I have no idea what they're doing with T6. I know that Linda's back. She looks great, right? Um, yes. And uh, uh, Arnold is in is it, I know. But I, I have no idea what um, – you know, what the plot's going to be and, and all that. Mostly I don't know because I didn't want anyone to want to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> so I've intentionally kept, you know, uh, myself out of the loop um, so that if anybody does, you know, talk to anybody about it or, you know, the uh, uh, spoilers, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, well, I know it can't be me. Cause I don't know it damn thing about it you know and and these guys are my friends so i obviously don't want to you know jump in their business
0: exactly yeah i i do hope that now it i just hope it stays on the track of not getting convoluted and because that was a big thing with i know you said you didn't watch genesis but man oh man was that thing convoluted well beyond belief
1: i i'd heard that and i just you know i thought again if i see it Someone's liable to ask me about it. And then I don't want to say potentially negative things about somebody else's movie. I mean, it's just I don't want to be that guy. And um, uh, so I just avoided it. That way I didn't have to talk about it. Um, Now, I saw the one that McGee had done, uh, whatever Terminator 4 was, um, with with, uh, Sam uh, uh, – no, uh, Sam, the Australian guy. Uh, Sam Worthington Sam Worthington yeah yeah and um I saw that one because I was gonna you know work on the next two and I kind of liked that it was it was a little bit of a mess but it had some really cool stuff in it and um I didn't I don't remember seeing three ever uh and I did not see five so anyway yeah uh, I watched McGee's movie only because it was like homework and um um But I don't know what the others are. I will go C6 when it comes out because I'll just be be curious about it. Um, So
0: pumped. So pumped.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be good. Um, When is it coming out? Do you know? It's next year, I think, or later this year. It
0: it comes out the day before my birthday this year, November 1st.
1: Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah,
0: cool. And I'm I'm actually speculating that uh, because it's Super Bowl, we could possibly get, who knows, something. Some kind of oh,
1: or, um... I, I saw that on uh, it was yeah when I was reading the news this morning there was some teaser about how they might they might tease something in the Super
0: Bowl. Yeah, that would be so cool.
1: Oh. Yeah, I don't think anything's been released. I haven't seen any uh, heard about anything uh, being out to some photos. That's about it.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Well, um, b- before we wrap up here, I um, when I was kind of um, promoting this this. Uh, conversation that we were going to have um i asked my listeners if they wanted to submit some questions and uh they did um okay. and so i just wanted to and i'm going to kind of go through these really quickly and just because i'm pretty sure we touched on a couple of these all right um i just don't want to repeat stuff I hear you. Uh, so let's see here okay i don't think we actually touched this one so this is going to be from Instagram, uh, the name is Houston Geek Faction. Um, yeah, I don't know who, how do they come up with this stuff? I don't know. I have no idea. Houston Geek Faction. Um, what movie does he prefer more, T1 or T2? I think you prefer T2 more.
1: Uh, probably, but only slightly. I mean, I really look at them as uh, uh, part one and part two of the same universe. So but yeah I mean look we we were able to do all I had I had more influence on T2 and we had more money to do cooler things so yeah I probably slightly favor it but <coughs> it really is a part A and part B in my head it's one big movie
0: same so. yeah that's how I view it oh uh, when I marathon them it's it's one and two like you have to yeah um <sighs> This comes from, and this was actually a really interesting uh, question. This comes from Facebook. Uh, The name is Engelbert Sebastian. Mm -hmm. Um, Does he still have the photos of the T-800 that he took in the Galleria? Were you taking real photos?
1: (laughs) I don't think I was. I don't think there was any film in the camera. Uh, God, I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm sure that if I had taken them, I would have handed the film to production to use in case they wanted to. But, and again, this is 1990, right? So that's 28 years ago that we did that. I really don't remember if there was any film in the camera at all.
0: Because later on in the film, we do see some photos of Arnold, and I, that's supposed to be the, the, the photos you took, correct?
1: I guess, yeah. Um, wow. My I'm going to I'm going to guess that it wasn't the film for my camera, but that they had a, a unit set photographer come up okay. and, and take those. Interesting. I'm just, I'm just going to guess uh, because I I don't know. But no, I have no. That's really, really funny. I have no recollection of whether or not there was any film in the camera.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Like I knew when I read that question, I was like, there's no way he's been asked this before. So, no,
1: no I haven't been asked that before. It's a good question. I just don't I don't have an answer for you. I'm I, I'm going to guess that the, ca- that the camera was empty. That's what I'm going to guess.
0: Awesome. Well, you did a great job because I, I swore you were taking photos. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this is like uh, just a couple of questions, but I'm going to quickly go through them. This is uh, on Instagram. Highly underscore disagreeable.
1: Ooh, um, I don't like the sound of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, is he doing a cameo in the new film?
1: No, I am not.
0: Okay, and when you were when you were involved in maybe even thinking of a third film, they asked, "What did you have any kind of an outline for a story?"
1: I did. Um. Well, this would have been the Terminator 5 with McGee that never happened. And and I, I did, but I'm going to tell you what, um, it never happened. Um, I don't want to get into uh, dueling storylines with whatever they're doing in T6. So whatever I had come up with, with uh, McGee um, Will just be lost to time <laughs> because I have I have no interest in, in having people go, oh that would have been stupid, Bill, or oh bills would have been better than this, or, I had no interest in in that kind of kind of uh, thing being out in the universe.
0: Okay, okay, so you actually, so you okay, so you were doing T five and T six, but you actually never had any thoughts for what eventually became Rise of the Machines.
1: Which one is no, 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 no. The the, the other the T five that they did make.
0: At, well, no, Rise of the Machines is considered the first third film. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it's the one that came after Judgment yeah. Day in two thousand and three.
1: Okay, no, I had I had zero involvement in that. I had zero involvement in T four. I had zero involvement in what became Terminator five. Right. Okay. The only thing I did was after Terminator 4, McGee reached out to me and said, I think that could have been a better movie. And I think maybe you're the guy I should be talking to about the next two sequels that I'm contracted to make. So we did talk about that and we came up with some storylines. Then there was the lawsuit and the whole deal fell apart and he never did another one and I never did another one. So what I'm saying is whatever we talked about, I'm just going to leave it lost in time. I don't, I don't want two people talking about what might've been because it, it's irrelevant.
0: Absolutely. Well, there, well, there you go. And and that actually answers another question. So we don't even have to talk about it, but uh, it comes from T Bob underscore art uh, on Instagram. Um, big follower of the, of the podcast. And he just wanted to know uh, the, like what you would have done for a third film, but, he just answered it, so there we go. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't, I don't
1: want to get into that.
0: <laughs> and then uh, the last question that I that I wrote down here because this is also a very interesting one. This comes from Logan Wood on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were writing the first novel for the film, the 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 Terminator, yeah. um, your contributions for it, and how did the process go? Was there anything like that Cameron had to approve or?
1: i I don't think so um by the way it wasn't really it was a novelization of the screenplay okay it came after and uh i don't know if they still do those but they you know they did it they did it then and i actually i wrote that with randy frakes who as i i mentioned him earlier in this podcast he's a friend of mine and jim cameron's and we've all known each other forever and um so the the somebody wanted to publish a novelization of the screenplay and jim basically turned it over to me and randy and said you guys want to do this and they'll pay you actual dollars and i was like yeah fine let's just do it and um i don't recall jim may have again god this is over 35 years ago or something like that jim may have had to look at it and wave his hand over it but he didn't really have much to do with it and randy and i just went off and 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 did it and again you know we we divided the uh, kind of cut it in half and um went off and and um expanded you know the screenplay into novel form and added stuff because you know you're doing a novel you can you can wander down the street and sniff at roses and, you know, blah, 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 blah. You don't have, you don't have the, uh, the constraints that you do, uh, when you're writing a screenplay. Um, and, uh, so, you know, we just expanded it out and got it published and, uh, uh it was published in several different languages. I know, because for, for a while I had, I had copies of it in languages. I don't speak, <laughs> People would would find them and send them to me. You know, I think they're in a box in storage somewhere. But um, uh, anyway, yeah, that's how we did that.
0: Awesome, you know, awesome. And I do have my, um, I do have my, because it's one of my most cherished things. I have the uh, the the published screenplay for T two. Um, and, uh, you know, it has like the, like, some of the storyboards and stuff with it, but it's, it's always something that I, that I love to reread every once in a while because.
1: Yeah. I got a copy of that somewhere. Yeah. It's nice. They did a nice job on that because it has the script and then, uh, production stills and, you know, uh, different things in it. Yeah. Storyboards, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's just really, really interesting to read over like what wasn't actually in the final product, and
1: oh, what wasn't in the final product? I don't remember us cutting much of anything out.
0: Well, I think in that because I think that particular version of the script is not even essentially the final version of the script. I think it might be a like a revision or Hmm. or, or or whatnot. But there's like just like little minute things of and like maybe even little details, sort of like similar to how it was supposed to be the, the Asian tourist and then it became you. It's just, there's like those little tiny things for the most part, it's the, it's the complete story, but. Um... Yeah,
1: one of the things that we had in the, in the very first draft uh, was a much larger um, uh, survivalist camp. And that sequence was, was a lot bigger and longer. And that um, never got filmed because we, we, we cut that in one of the revisions as we were getting closer to production. Uh, basically just for time and money, you know, and we, and we kind of made it a smaller thing, um, uh, we, you know, when, when uh, Sarah and, and Arnold and, uh, and John Connor get there. Uh, and I don't know if that's in that script. I don't know what version they have, but that was one of the things that we pared down from the first draft. But by the time we got to the production revision, before cameras had rolled, i don 't think anything really changed. I mean tiny things may have changed, but not nothing I mean pretty much uh, Jim shot the movie that we wrote, you know, and often often in production, you know you, you get no that 's not working we got to change it around. God knows i 've been involved in that on other films a lot you know um, but in Terminator Two, we pretty much shot what we decided should be shot before cameras ever rolled with again the exception of tiny little details
0: yeah yeah like because it might be because i'm actually uh, kind of like just thumbing through it right now and there's like maybe like little bits of dialogue and i know it actually has a lot of the stuff in it as well that became part of like the special edition like re-release and yeah and whatnot
1: yeah there were a f- there were a few things that were that were cut for time but yeah but not much
0: uh, but it's just, it's so cool because it's a very heavy book and I don't know, it's it, one of my like passions in, in, in life and especially because I'm such a diehard fan is I would love to not even film it. It doesn't even have to be filmed. It's just literally for me, just write my kind of Terminator story, like, can, like taking place after T2. So pretending like none of the films exist <laughs> where I would spin the characters off into. And so it's sort of like a Bible, you know what I mean?
1: That's funny. That's good. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, and it's just been a—it's just been such a pleasure hearing just your words and and just sitting back and just beca- like being a student. Really. I well, mean. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Um. The thank you. It, it, it's it's been such a great time talking to you, and I don't want to keep you any longer because we've been talking for an hour and a half, I believe. <laughs> just yeah. So.
1: Just about. In three minutes, it'll be an hour and a half. There we go. My phone is telling me it's just kicking the seconds off.
0: (laughs) So, um, uh, before before I let you go, um, and this uh, this part can actually be edited out if you would like me to. So you just tell me, and then it's gone. But um, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for coming on during this this very difficult time that you're going through, and um, you know, just even considering coming on.
1: I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Uh, my, you can leave this in if you feel like my father passed away almost a month ago. And so we were maybe going to do this a little earlier and then I, I, just didn't feel like talking about it, about anything. Um, but, uh, uh, I appreciate your saying that and, uh, I'm fine. You know, um, it's a tough thing, uh, but, uh, but it's been about a month and life is getting back to normal and I'm writing, uh, I'm to, I'm, I'm writing a new spec script, so I got to get that done. And um, um, but he was a wonderful guy, had a nice long life, and uh, and thank you for, for, for mentioning that. Okay,
0: absolutely. He 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 made a fantastic son, and I don't know if you have brothers and sisters or right. Right? You, you you have a brother.
1: I've got no, I've got four. I've got two brothers and two sisters. Okay, so. Uh, the, the, plenty of family, and more nephews and nieces than you can shake a stick at. So, <laughs> it's a pretty big family.
0: Well, I am. Uh, I am. Go- um, I'm going to definitely be going back through your uh, your films because I mean i haven't I haven't seen every single one that you've that you've been a part of, but um,
1: uh, yeah. I yeah. do want
0: to check them all out because well, this has you. just been such a special occasion. So.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh uh it's 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 been fun talking to you. It really has. And uh, uh, thanks for uh reaching out to me and inviting me on your uh on your podcast. This is have, have a wonderful Sunday and uh uh and I guess we'll we'll talk again soon.
0: We will. Thank you so much and uh enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday, even though you don't care about it.
1: <laughs> nah, it's gonna be a real good riding day. Okay.
0: All righty, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Take care. And there we go. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? Wasn't that just... Oh, my God. A Terminator fanboy's wet dream. Seriously. That is what that was. Um, wow. Uh, Will, Bill, William, thank you. <laughs> Mr. Wisher, thank you so much. Seriously, for making... A, a Terminator fan's entire life, essentially. I mean, you really did. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening. I really hope you enjoy these, because it's, you know, it, it it's why I do it. I would love to do this just, you know, for myself. You know, I would get a kick out of doing it, absolutely. But it's the fact that I can share these with you. um, And hopefully you guys... Enjoy it, you get some new insight, stuff that you may not have heard before, whatever the case may be. I just hope that that's what these provide for you. And that's really my only goal. Um, if you enjoy the content that the podcast provides, um, you can support it now on Patreon. Just launch the Patreon page. It's over uh, at patreon.com slash T101podcast. There's four different tiers. There's a T600, a T800, a T1000, and a T1 million tier. Uh, The T1 million is a little nod to the T2 attraction at Universal Studios, which I don't consider canon, but it is a James Cameron production, so I included it there. But there's a lot of exclusive goodies over on Patreon that you can uh, get your hands on if you'd like to uh, support the show. So, guys, until next time, I mean, whew, I'm exhausted, so I gotta go take a nap, um, (laughs) whew, I gotta start getting ready for some more episodes, so until next time, keep on terminating.